When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Uh, I have just realised I haven't got poor little Seb on here. There he is. <laughs> that's, that's the first boo-boo of the night. It'll hopefully be the last one, mate. How's it going? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. And thank you for everybody that is watching tonight. Obviously, we are here on Scoutcast. My name is Andy. My name is Seb. And thank you very much for joining us. Um, I mean, what a couple of game weeks we've had already. Game week two kind of didn't didn't disappoint. I think a lot of people were looking at game week two thinking it was going to be a bit of a lull after game week one. We didn't really have that, did we, Seb? Oh, I mean, it's one of those where I guess game week one was so good for everyone because we all got so many points, which I guess means it was also bad for everyone or just the same for everyone. That you saw a lot of those like memes in the community where it was like, ah, oh, well, you know, first timers, I hope you liked game week one because game week two won't be like that. And I think, pretty much it kind of was like that again maybe a few fewer points around because Salah and Fernandez didn't return but generally most people seem happy yeah really do and I think considering like you said Salah and Fernandez didn't actually do what we thought they were going to do there were plenty of points around weren't there and actually it was so important that we all set up our teams so well around our captains because that's what we needed this week we needed those points you know that weren't our captains and and it turned out to be not too bad so I mean before we start talking about our team Seb I know you're going to talk us a little bit through um what we're doing this week before you do though it's probably best to just say our uh you know obviously we're missing Joe this week aren't we we are indeed um he is off he's had enough of us he doesn't like it anymore so he's left it to us and we will do our best to make it at least 80 percent of the show you're used to. Exactly. But Joe will be back after the international break. Fear yeah. not. <laughs> so, Seb, what are we talking about tonight, mate? So, we're going to have a look at the results from the weekend, have a chat about those. We will, of course, then look at the points we brought in for our teams. Um, Andy, you're going to take a look at the transfers in and out, which there's been huge movement this week with everyone holding on to their transfers from the first game week. And I think you've got a little game to play there as well with uh, Would <laughs> You do. Wouldn't You? I'm then going to then you know bring us back down to earth, be a lot less exciting. Have a little look at the over and under XGI stats from uh, the first two weeks cumulatively. See if there's anything we can pick out of there. Of course, within that, we'll have a talk about some of the big points like your Lukaku's, your Sons, your Salas, the game week four news with the international break, and then we'll move on to a differential fixtures, our game week three teams, Alex's team, a team we are running for a member of the community who has done very, very well in the past, but isn't playing this year. So we're trying our best not to ruin his team. Uh, <laughs> and then we do have some community questions as well to have a look at. We do. So shall we jump straight into it then, mate, and have a look Go for it. at uh, the fixtures and the results from this week? Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like there was a lot of results that we were that surprised with, personally. I feel like a lot of them kind of went the way we probably thought they were going to go. Um, when you look at them there, I think the only the biggest result really is Man United, isn't it? Drawing against Southampton. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought that Man United, especially after the first week, would, would put Southampton to the sword. I know you sent me a really interesting uh, <laughs> a bit of bit of stats about that game, didn't you? Yeah, so obviously Man United drew 1-1 with Southampton after beating Leeds about 3,000 to 1. But they put up a very, very similar XG number, which I think was about 1.5 in both matches. Uh, Some providers will have it, you know, slightly different, of course, depending on the model. But either way, they didn't put up five in the first match 
and they put up more than one this time. They were possibly similar performances from Man United, but maybe Southampton did a better job than us. I think I saw some saw some brilliant analysis on Twitter looking about Man United building out. And I think we spoke last week about how you know Man United are a team of individuals, and I don't mean that poorly. Mm. They have a lot of talented individuals and maybe rely on that more than, say, a team structural plan. So against Leeds, where they just overpowered us with that individual quality, they were they were able to obviously put up a similar XG, but I think they had a better time with the finishing and whatnot, maybe felt better about themselves. Whereas Southampton, they seemed to have a bit of less time to actually do what they wanted to do to build how they wanted to build. And despite putting up similar XG, obviously a bit of variance, a bit of, you know, whatever, returning to the mean, weren't able to convert that into goals. Yeah, and you look at it, it was two lucky goals, wasn't it? You know, the Southampton goal was a deflection. I, I don't feel like, I feel like that game could have been 3-0 United and people wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Whereas also... Greenwood's goal like straight at the keeper a bit of a scuffed shot you look at it and think I I don't know I'm looking at some Greenwood owners and thinking cool you might have got a little bit lucky with these for the last two weeks whereas you look at other owners that maybe went for Mares and you think oh how is that happened you know or Barnes someone like that and you think yeah. the, the the variance at the moment in just these first two weeks has been mad hasn't it oh absolutely I think I was looking uh just before tonight at Greenwood's XG for the first two matches yeah. and I think he had a cumulative XG of 0.2 and it was 0.1 in each match. Cool. In the first match, he puts away a brilliant finish, you know, breaks for the line. I think it was a, I think it was a Lindelof ball, was it? Yeah, you know, breaks yeah. down the side of Lee's defence, does Strauch and puts it in the far corner, as we know Greenwood can. Then in the second match, he has what is probably quite a straightforward chance, scuffs it and scores because he scuffs it. So funny how that works. Yeah, it is. Uh, Ted is in the chat, by the way. Evening, Ted. Ted talks. Um, Bruno Gang, and he? Did well this week with that. Uh, and Squid yeah. is asking, by the way, Seb, uh, did you play Dean over Rafinha in the end? <laughs> no, I played Rafinha. I Good played man. Rafinha. Good man. So um, gen- genuinely thank you to the chat for pointing that out because <laughs> I did go away and think about it. And um, I think the Everton-Leeds match probably didn't go n- not how I expected. But obviously not a nil there, which I thought might everything might do. Didn't, it didn't go not as you expected. Yeah, that's what I said. I stand by it. <laughs> uh, it went as I expected. To yeah, come like on. An idiot. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, 2-2, two, two, obviously, I think Leeds probably dominated in terms of if you were to look at stats and whatnot. But Everton probably got what they wanted out of it. Like, they were never going to come out and attack us all that much. We know DCL had some really good chances. Mm. Dean and people didn't get forward, but they did exactly kind of what Man United did, which was sit those fullbacks back to really stop us being able to get in behind with those, you know, diagonals or the direct play we like to do, yeah. especially with, say, Rafina, who's up against Luca Dean. And we're able to absorb quite a lot of what we put up against them. So absolutely delighted I went with Rafina. It was the correct choice, and thank you for that chat. But just an interesting observation on what we expect from both teams going forward, I think. Yeah, it really is. Another one, very, very quickly before we... Well, there's a few actually I want to talk about, but Man City 5, Norwich 0. We we thought this would happen, didn't we? We thought Man City would be hurting after last week and absolutely demolish Norwich, which is exactly what happened. I I started with Mares. Obviously, he came on and got a goal, which I feel quite lucky about, to be perfectly honest. I know Mark Southerns is in the background. He had Mares and Torres you know, struggled there a little bit, didn't he? I, are you a little bit worried like I am that these goals seem to be very, very spread out with City? They just don't have that focal point that's going to get all of the returns, do they? Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's kind of, it's always been the way with City a bit. I remember when Aguero and Jesus a couple of years ago were an option. I think I had both of them up front at one point mm. just to try and get those points. Like you knew they were going to score five, but you just didn't know where they were going to come from. Without... KDB, or without maybe a Grealish asserting himself 
over a long period of time without a sterling in you know England form or previous Man City form, it maybe is hard to pinpoint those points. We know Pep Roulette is a problem, but even then they do very much create chances as a team as opposed to relying on one individual, especially when De Bruyne isn't there. So I don't have any City players and I don't feel like I miss them, which is weird for a team that is scoring five. Yeah, it really is. For a team that just scored five, I thought my rank was going to really struggle because, you know, Man City scoring five, one of well, the best team in the league. And your rank doesn't really suffer because not enough people have enough confidence in one individual in that team to mean that their EO is high enough to really damage you, is it? Like Grealish, Mares, um, who else probably did? Well, Jesus did obviously very well, which I'll talk yep. about him a little yep. bit later as well. But it's the centre-backs, actually. If we, if we kind of, especially with them and Chelsea, are those centre-backs not on enough teams at the moment? Do you reckon that's maybe one for later in the season? when Because we've all had, say, Simicass. We've obviously mm. got Trent. Everyone does. There's been a lot of attention on the sort of maybe slightly cheaper defenders, your Sufas, even your 4.5s, your 4.0s. Yeah. There probably will be a period where Diaz becomes not essential. I don't mean that. Maybe an obvious move. Yeah. I know a few people did start with him. But outside of him, you know, we all probably thought Stones was going to start. And it looks like Laporte currently has it. Yeah. So I don't think you can even be safe there. I know Joe loves Edison, which is always a move. But I like my cheap keepers. I think there's good value to be found there. Yeah, I agree. And I think, hasn't he already come out and said Laporte is starting the next game as well? So it's... I think he did, yeah. Which yeah. probably means he's benched. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Same with Jesus. He came out and said he played so well he can't be benched. So you know he's benched next game as well. Um, he's, he's done that before. I can't I can't remember if it was Mares or something. But he, yeah. he did that last season, I swear, where he praised the player to the hilt. And then they will bench the next yeah. game. Doesn't sound like him at all, does it? Um, <laughs> no. And then um, two more games I wanted to just quickly touch on before we go into my points. Um, Spurs, two clean sheets to start the season. I thought this game was interesting personally because 1-0 to Spurs, Wolves had everything in this game. They had the shots, they had the possession. I thought they looked better than Spurs, to be perfectly honest. But Spurs obviously came away with a win with a Deli Alley penalty. Worth mentioning that Son was getting strapped up when the penalty was taken. So... I think by the sounds of things, Deli Ali and Son are going to be sharing penalty duties. That, that's what it sounds like. It depends who wants it at the beginning of the game or Possibly. who he picks, something like that. Um, but I wonder if, because Deli Ali won it, didn't he, as well, I think. Yeah, but Deli Ali came out and said something like, at the beginning of the game, they put it up on the board and they decide who's going to take the penalties that game. So we're, we're not going to know who's taking them until the day. But it sounds like, you know, 50% of the penalties they win will be Son or Deli Alley. So, um, but I mean, Spurs, are you tempted with any of these? Because the fixtures aren't too bad moving forward. No, I mean, I've had a look at the defence, which is interesting because I think they're possibly kindly priced if they can keep clean sheets. Mm. Deli Alley doesn't really excite me. He took a penalty, but I'm not sure there's much else there. Obviously, there's the Harry Kane question and Son is the obvious pick. Son, we saw, as you mentioned, him getting strapped up. We had some comments after the match where Nuno was pretty unhelpful with that. He basically yeah. said, don't know, let's see. So that, that Salah to Son move that a lot of people are looking at, and we might chat about in a second, yeah. maybe is slightly less attractive if we don't think Son is going to be fit. And at the moment, Spurs are kind of falling into that category of, I can't have them all for me. Yeah. I don't know about you. I just, they, they're looking to me like a typical Wolves side of old where they're, they're winning games that you know they're drawing nil nil and then winning games one nil in the full time and I just worry whether Son's going to have enough upside personally I, I, for 10 million I'd want my midfielder to be be able to get a brace and I'm not sure if he's not on pens whether he's going to be able to do that I could be completely wrong he'll have games this season where he does but I just don't know whether he's going to do it enough I think that's reasonable and I think the other thing we want from those types of players especially if we're going to give them the captain's armband is some sort of 
a surety that when they face a poor team, mm. they can put chances up against them and convert them. And I think we've seen this from Spurs in the past, that, and even Son himself, the types of chances that they'll create sometimes aren't actually as good against Watford as they are Man City, for example. Yeah. Uh, we maybe don't have enough information for this Spurs side yet, and Watford have maybe looked quite poor. But Son's going to get those chances on the breakaway that he likes against, say, a City, a Liverpool or Chelsea. Whereas Watford, if they've got seven, eight men in front of Son at all times, it might actually be harder, weirdly, for him to get the chances he wants to turn into goals. Yeah, 100%. No, I like it. Um, and then last one, West Ham, Leicester. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of chatter that's saying that, you know, it's because of the red card and that's what did it. But to be honest, I thought Leicester looked very, very poor before the red card anyway. Yes, it obviously makes a difference to the game and it probably made them tire so much as to why Antonio got those chances in the end as well. But, I mean, I think West Ham are just carrying on from last year, aren't they? Just scoring goals at will. Antonio, Ben Rama, Sufau, who we can mention. Bowen's looking good again. So, it, it, they're looking like a team we can we can get a lot of bargains from this year, aren't they? Yeah, they, they looked really good. We did it with uh, Janny on the watch along last night and yeah. it was a great match to watch. <laughs> great for FPL, great, great for real football. Declan Rice looked imperious as well. He, he did. arguably bettered Ndidi in that battle of who's going to sign for Man United. God, I want him. Um, I want him bad. <laughs> but like you said, the red card obviously is going to influence it. But I think you're right. I think West Ham were the better team before that. And all the red card did was lower the chances of Leicester trying to mount a smash and grab, which is maybe what they came for. Maybe I'm mm. being harsh. But I don't think they were coming to try and win that three 0 or anything. No, no, definitely not. I mean, it's interesting as well. Obviously, they've got less. Uh, they've got Norwich next, so you know, for, for those people, I've got Barnes. Uh, I'm not ditching Barnes, be- literally, just because they've got Norwich left. Uh, Norwich next, but uh, they, uh, they, they're not looking good at the moment. But anyway, that's our kind of roundup of the uh, the results that we've had so far, and on to my team now. Do you know what? I was quite happy with my team at about 60 minutes into the West Ham game last night. I had Ben Rama. He was obviously doing bits and he looked very, very good. He scored that that lovely goal that Antonio cut back to him. And he just looked a menace all night, to be perfectly honest. And I love that from my six million midfielder. Had a few blanks. Barkman has just been, he was a mistake to bring in, to be honest. They have not looked good defensively. And obviously Sanchez was getting the points there. Um... Alexander Arnold, Shaw, and Simicus, absolutely fine. Simicus, you know, give us gave us our parting gift there, didn't they? Absolutely brilliant. Eleven points. Alexander Arnold with twelve. Shaw with four. Clean sheet wipeout, but gets us two bonus points, which is just brilliant. That just shows you the kind of kind of player he is getting forward. Um, I, I forget who it was. Someone else said the. Uh, I stole this from someone else. They said I, I didn't get Shaw for his attacking returns or his clean sheets. I got him for the bonus. <laughs> just for the bonus. <laughs> yeah. Um, turns out the Salah was the correct captaincy choice over Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> uh, everybody was waxing lyrical about how they chose the right captain after Salah played, and then Bruno played and only got, got one point. Here, Andy. Would you like to clutch at them? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Mares obviously coming up clutch at the end there, getting me a uh, getting me a goal. I'm 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 done with him now though I think I can't, I just can't handle the benchings 9 million on a player you don't know whether he's going to be in the lineup every week it, it's just something I don't want to do so he's he's already gone actually I'm going to tell you about that later uh Barnes I am worried about but I'm keeping him for next week two points he doesn't look quite right at the moment and I think that's a little bit to do with him and a little bit to do with Leicester in general I feel don't look quite right at the moment either um Ben Rama, brilliant. He, he's staying for me for as long as possible. As long as Ling, I mean, if Lingard doesn't sign, he's going to be. I think he's going to be in everybody's team soon. To be perfectly honest, 
You know, we were when we were watching them last night, though, mm. I wonder if with Lingard coming in, obviously, you know, the West Ham Lingard, not the one we saw come on for Man United and do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Fornells looked really good last night, arguably better than Ben Rama. Yeah. Playing as 10 with Ben Rama on the left mm-hmm. and obviously Jared Bowen, who we'll talk about in a bit, actually, he comes up in some of the tables. He looked good on the right, too. If Lingard comes in, of course, there's, you know, some selection issues there, but they do have the Europa League. And I think it maybe showed that Ben Rama can still perform, or Fornals can still perform, with another player alongside them, because Ben Rama's now done it from the ten and from the left, and when Fornals has been good himself. Yeah, interesting. It's I I just work because they're never going to break up that Sochek and Rice partnership. That that is beautiful, isn't it? Like it's so good. It works so well. It's probably one of the best double pivots in the league, really, isn't it? And you look at it and think. There's only there's only a certain amount of positions, isn't there? And four nows, like you said, has done really well, and that's actually a problem because if he hadn't have been, he'd just drop straight out. But you just look at it and think, but I, I mean, really, as well though, for six million, you'd still be happy to keep Ben Rama and wait for that issue to come up, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, well, I hope so because he might or might not have been one of my transfers in. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's fine, mate. He's fine. Uh, and then Ings. Ings is an interesting one, actually. I think I'm very, very lucky to have got two goals from him in those two matches. They're not creating an awful lot, but he's finishing what he gets. Obviously, he had the penalty in the first game. Beautiful bicycle kick in the second game. Um, but they're pretty much his only chances. And I think they've created less chances than anybody in the league so far. They have. They have. Um, I think their XG's somewhere bottom half. And like you say, I think it may be the fewest shots or something like that. Mm. And if you take Dan Ings' penalty away from it, he's had, is it two? open play shots maybe or one even which is the bicey fair play he's you know he has returned two goals but if you compare that with someone like even tony who i think has an xg of like about 0.7 and has looked pretty lively one has returned but i know who i may be back to return in the future out of the two of them yeah no 100 percent. and ings's fixtures fall off a cliff in game week four so it is worth looking at that and then and then tony i've I've been disappointed with Tony, but he's he's looked good. Brentford have looked good, and they look like they're going to be okay in this league. But he just he's been disappointed so far because he's so highly owned, and he's he's going to be getting a price fall at some point. Um, but yeah, sixty five points down away, so about hundred k red arrow. But I mean, it's worth mentioning that overall ranks at the moment don't really mean a lot. It's it's more about those kind of points totals. I think a few people have been putting up recently what their points are and what their overall rank is. And it's just so bunched up. It is ridiculous. I think it's about 40 points between 1 million and kind of 100K. Like it's it's so, so that's one week almost. Um, so it's it's so bunched up at the moment. So do not worry where you are. Um, that's not because I've got a red arrow and I'm down 100K. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just, just how it is at the moment. But I'd say, do you know what? I, I mean, would have I'm been on, thrilled on with this many points. What are you, what are you on? Pardon? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm on 173. What are you on? Oh, are you? Oh, it's got on here yeah. that you're 330. Oh, sorry. Points wise, I'm oh, no. on one. Sorry, yeah, points. Not I'm right. on one five seven something like that. I think. Yeah. So what? Less than twenty points, yeah. and there's five hundred k between. Five hundred k between us. Yeah. Like, you could you could literally do that next week with a good captain pick. I will do. I will do. <laughs> I like um, but yeah, I mean, if you'd have offered me over 150 points in my first two weeks, I'd have snapped your hand off for it. It's just a shame that obviously the the, the averages have been very high so far. Um, and you right. know what I think is almost more important, like having a points total or having a certain rank? Yeah. Having a team that you feel like you can move forward with? Yeah. So whether that means you have to wildcard in a couple of weeks or you've planned for a wildcard, I know some people are now. If you've maybe got, you know, your Mares who's becoming another player, your Ben Rama who you're happy with, you've got Salah and Fernandez. That team can do a lot and it's pretty solid. So even if you're 50, 100 points behind where you want to be, you've got a solid base to build from. And I think that's more important. Yeah, no, 100%. 
Shall we have a look at your solid base to build from then, Seb? <laughs> yeah, there we go. So do you want to talk us through your team? No problem. I've got Sanchez in gold, who returned six points. Uh, Trent, Simicas, and Shaw at the back, as many people will, I'd imagine. Uh, Salah was my captain as well, with a mighty six points. Boom. And I did spend the rest of the weekend going, oh no, and then Fernandez got one point. <laughs> so, I mean, both possibly could have returned a bit more, maybe both unfortunate. Salah did have a goal ruled out for offside, which I don't think he scores that because he's offside. I think that's just unfortunate. So, as we mentioned last week, there wasn't really a bad choice between them. We actually expected it to be them both getting a couple of goals. Funnily enough, it was them both getting nothing and you've not really lost anything at all. I then have Buendia on two points, who is gone from my team. I have uh, had enough of him. And Rafina, thank you, Jack, with seven points. <laughs> I then have Dan, Danny Ings eight up front. Uh, Mikel Antonio with 16. Yes. God. And Callum Wilson with one point, who, again, it's worth noting, missed a pretty much one-on-one -on -one where he could have rounded the goalkeeper. And had a penalty that he won and probably would have taken, turned down for a close offside. It was offside, but it was quite close. Yeah. So only one point, but I'm very happy with what he might return in the future. Yeah, no, it's, it's looking good. I mean, Rafinha is somebody that people are going to be wanting to get in. Buendia, I think, has done what I thought he was going to do. He seems to be that quarterback role, isn't it? He's, he's just not getting forward like we want him to, is he? In the first match, he did pretty much nothing. In the second match, he did create, I think it was three chances. Mm. But like you say, they were very much sort of, you maybe have to create nine of those to hope for a return. And I probably fell for the, you know, looking at his stats in the past, looking at the chances created last time he was in the Premier League. And it was between him, Ben Rama, Barnes for that slot. I'm not that hot on Barnes. I wasn't for the season. I don't really like his stats. I think he looked great on the pitch, but he maybe struggles that, to turn that into like consistent opportunities to get points. Yeah. And I went with Wendy based on, you know, previous year's stats as opposed to Ben Rama on preseason form. And that certainly looks like the wrong call. So I uh, I might have fixed that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't reveal it yet, mate. Don't 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 <laughs> don't go early. <laughs> we were gonna talk about that a little bit later. Right. Um so let's get into a little bit of content then, shall we? So we're gonna play a bit of a game, Seb. You happy to play a bit of a game? I love playing games. Yeah, so it's good. we did for three years. Yeah, it's, I sounded like the guy I saw then, didn't I? You, <laughs> you want to play a game? I don't, I don't want to play a game. I've changed no. my mind. I don't want to play a game. <laughs> if you look under your seat. No. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to play a bit of a game. So we're going to play a game of would you, wouldn't you? Okay. Now, this is not a game. We're, we're live, so you can't. This isn't just between us, mate. This is a game all about the transfers in and transfers out this week. Now, I'm not going to lie. The transfer activity this week is ridiculous. This screenshot that you can see now was taken at lunchtime today, and Antonio and Benrama, between them, had already been brought in by almost 1 million managers. That's going to be over 1 million now. You know, the, the, the transfer activity has been ridiculous. Me and Seb were talking about this a little bit before the stream, saying how people, obviously, a lot of people rolled their transfer game week one, which means they've got two transfers to use this week. And I think that kind of makes you realise why the transfer activity is so ridiculous this week. Now, you can see here, there's a lot of popular people on this list. Some that I'm going to ask them about, because I don't know whether they should be on the most popular transfers in. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, Seb, I'm going to start you off, mate. Uh, all you have to do is say yes or no. So, do you think it's a good idea bring them in or not? So, first one, Antonio. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why? 
Because, I mean, the same reason I started with him, really. When he's fit and firing, he has some of the best underlying numbers in the league, which he doesn't always return on, but he doesn't have to with how good they are. You know, he'll get enough points. So far, he's actually overperformed in inverted commas, but not enough sample size and, hey, fair enough. There's some good finishes. And I think as well, when you're watching them, him and Ben Rama, I think all of West Ham look impressive, but it does look like him and Ben Rama really dictating that, that attacking movement. And Antonio looks imperious. Like last night, he was creating, he was driving, he was shooting. We know he might not last the whole season. I really hope he does. But while he's fit, I think it's a very easy move. He's cheap compared to, I don't know what, Gabriel Jesus is nine, nine and a half. Okay. And given a whole season, Antonio might outscore him. Yeah. Ben Rama. Yes. And <laughs> again, a bit because I have, so I guess I'm biased into that. Um, he actually also, as well, when we have a look at it, has overperformed some of his numbers. But the whole Lingard question, the whole small sample. Again, watching them, I think he's pretty important to the way they're playing. I think mm. he's very impressive. Even if they did sign Lingard, I'd be surprised if he lost that sort of role he has in their attacking system, at least early on. And it's, if I'm completely honest, it's one of those where I nearly had him in preseason and maybe I've knee-jerked into going to want to fix that mistake. You know, you've got him, a lot of people have got him. Yeah. I think it's an attractive option with some good fixtures at a good price and I wanted to get in before the price wise. Yeah, big one now. And we're only thinking about this game week. So for, for ready for game week three, Lukaku. No. Yeah, why? So, I guess, like, it's going to depend on your situation. So for me, I probably couldn't do it without pulling the wild card everyone is I know they're not getting him for Liverpool but everyone is super keen to get Lukaku in ahead of Liverpool and was super keen to lose Salah ahead of Chelsea that yeah. kind of seems like a contradiction to me mm, no fair enough I think I've seen real arguments about Lukaku and the biggest the, the best one I've seen is that Chelsea can play against anybody and he seems to be able to finish those chances where they've been building up XG and it, it, they're waiting for somebody to finish it. The other argument for me is by the time we want to get him in, which will be game week seven, that, that's that's where I'm looking to get him in. He could be 12 million by then. Yeah. And that's the other thing is do yeah. you jump on somebody that you know you're going to want later on anyway, but maybe the fixtures aren't so brilliant at the moment. <sighs> It's I for me. I genuinely think it's quite tough. I I think I think there's no wrong answer here, but I think I'm going to be waiting just because it ruins my team a little bit at the moment. There's a lot of things I need to do to try and get Lukaku in, and I'm not that confident with the fixtures they've got that he's going to return for me. Game week four, he could be a genuine captain option though, couldn't he against Aston Villa? Yeah, and I think like like you say, there's no right answer here. Anyone who does bring Lukaku in, absolutely fair enough. Some people won't be doing it because they think he's going to score a hat against Liverpool. They'll be doing it because, like you say, they don't want to have to pay 0.5 million more or whatever it might be. They think they can get ahead of something, which in FBL is a big thing, right? You spot something early, you get on it, you get points before other people do. For me, it maybe just damages my team a bit too much. And I have Antonio, Wilson and Ings at the moment, and I really want DCL. I don't wonder if in the next few fixtures before game week seven, that any one of those three couldn't outscore him. So for me, that maybe feels like a price not worth paying. And I'll pay a bit more in the future. I probably do want triple Chelsea, maybe with a wild card around game week eight. But I am happy to wait on that. And one thing that I think, I don't really know which way this will go, but something I'm really interested to see is obviously he dominated Pablo Mari. And we know that of all the teams in the league, Arsenal are going to be, they're going to be ripe for Lukaku to, you know, maybe put up some good numbers against them. Liverpool, a lot of people have spoken about how he's going to have to battle with Van Dijk now in particular, who obviously Mm. is a big guy himself. 
But when you watch Van Dyke, Van Dyke defend, despite being a big physical presence, he doesn't actually tend to go toe to toe with people. He's very much like a standoff defender. Yeah. He'll keep you at arm's reach, wait for you to turn, and maybe back himself for the pace or back himself for like reading an interception, as opposed to trying to battle. So I don't know which way this is going to go, but I'm really interested to see what happens because Lukaku might want to back into Van Dyke, but I don't think Van Dyke will want to play that game. I think you'll happily let him have it and then try and take it take it off him once he's had a touch or something. Yeah, and you know, I, I know Joe always says this, doesn't he, about um, play the game week in front of you. And I think maybe a lot of people are getting Lukaku in thinking he, he's who I want later on. But actually, is this the best week to do it? And if if you're having to take a hit to get him in or if it's looking like you're ruining the rest of your team, I don't know whether this week is the best week. It could be. He could score a brace against Liverpool. You never know. But I, I, I do agree with, with Seb. I feel like it, it might be a week too early, potentially. Um, uh, we'll go only go through a few of these. And maybe just give me a quick line on what, what you think, yes or no. Simicus? Sure. No, because his days are numbered now. <laughs> yeah. It's been brought in by almost 300,000 managers this week. Perfect, isn't it? Gets that little price rises up yeah. to four point two now. It almost feels harsh. It feels like we're taking money off those people who maybe aren't quite aware that he might be losing his place. Or Damn we're straight. wrong and it's now his place to lose. That'd be pretty funny. Damn straight. Uh Duffy's next. Uh I'd probably say no again, although I admit he could hold on to his place for a bit longer. Mm. But I think there are better options, say your Liveramento and people like that, who you maybe have more confidence that will be around for the long term. Yeah. Uh James, Reese James. I'm kind of torn on this one, so I might I might cheat and throw it over to you because I really, really like him. Mm. Similar thoughts on, you know, Chelsea as Lukaku. But do we think he plays enough? Yeah, that's it. it uh, I'm so big on, if I'm looking at the starting lineup, worried every week, should I really have that player in my team? And, and James is one of those players. I'm going to be looking and hoping he's in that team. When he plays, he's gold, but it's just whether he's going to be playing enough, basically. So, yeah, I think even... Uh, if you fancy it, game week seven, go for it. But for me, I think this is too early and I still don't know whether he's nailed or not. Definitely, I agree with you there. Uh, and then the last three... And the one, the one oh. thing about players... Sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, the one thing about players like that is that you might say ahead of time, oh, you're happy to have him for three out of every four fixtures. But when that one fixture is like Norwich at home that you really want to target and he doesn't play, that can hurt quite a lot sometimes. Yeah, it can. Um, so um, last one I was going to do is Ings. Bringing him in now. Pardon? I mean, is it, so bringing him in now. Yeah. So 200,000 managers have brought him in. He scored two goals. He's, he's barely getting any chances and he scored two goals. He's, he's gold, isn't he? <laughs> he's so clinical, yeah. yeah. Imagine what happens when he gets five shots. Again. Exactly. Um, I feel like, yeah, maybe if you're like taking a one-wee hit against Brentford and you don't want DCL, you don't want Lukaku, maybe... I think a lot of people are thinking of doing the opposite. So I'd have to go with a no. Yeah, I think I would as well. I wouldn't be bringing him in now because I want to be getting rid by game week four. Right. Um, Transfers out then. So not quite as heavy as the transfers in. I think a lot of people are getting rid of different players. But it's going to be interesting. There's a few in here that I'm very surprised are in here, to be perfectly honest. Uh, But we won't talk... We won't go on this for too long, but it's quite interesting to look at. Um, So top of the list, Tony. Would you be getting rid of Tony? Um, possibly not. We mentioned his numbers are decent, but I think he's probably becoming a bit of a sacrificial land for like a Lukaku, isn't he? Mm. Maybe down to a 4.5 and then get Lukaku. So it's conditional, but I might say no just for now. The fixtures are so nice as well. And I'm, 
I'm just looking at him thinking he's gonna he's gonna get a brace at some point. We know it's gonna happen. It could be this week as well. To be honest, I thought he'd get something against Crystal Palace, and obviously that ended up being nil nil. But I just look at it and think because uh, spoiler alert, I'm, I'm getting rid of him this week, and it's because I want Antonio because it looks to me like Antonio is going to hurt me a lot more than Tony is. Um, but yeah. yeah, he's he's a player. He's going to hurt you when you get rid of him. I know it's going to happen, but. It just doesn't seem to be happening at the moment, does it? No, for sure. I mean, you can't have them all, right? whether it's premium, whether it's cheap. Yeah. There are probably about five strikers that we all want. So if he's the one you're getting rid of to facilitate something else, maybe fair enough. Yeah. Uh, ben White is next. 250,000 managers have got rid of him so far. So I'd hold him if I had him, but I understand the fear of a price drop, especially like 4.5, where you're suddenly then maybe priced out of all those other 4.5s. Yeah. So it's maybe a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you don't want to sell him, but you see he's dropping, so you sell him and you obviously contribute yeah, towards the drop. That's how the, the market drop, works, isn't it? Make someone else sell him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, the old, you didn't have him for these fixtures, you have him for the good run, but I understand if he's falling in price. Yeah, I'm keeping him. I've got him and I'm keeping him. Um, oh, nice. Oh, yeah, just I, I'm happy to take the hit because I, I, his fixtures are lovely from game week four onwards and I'm going to be wanting to play him potentially. So, um, yeah, I'm quite happy to hold him. Um Luke Shaw, 150,000 managers have got rid of him. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't. I have him and I'm very happy. I know they've not kept clean sheets so far, but they haven't been bad in that department. We know Luke Shaw can put up some really good attacking numbers and has done well enough so far. Are people maybe just doing it to facilitate other things? What do you reckon? You're a Man United fan. How has he looked to you? He's looked fine. He's looked absolutely fine. I mean, like I said, he got he didn't he didn't get a clean sheet, didn't get an attack and return. I got two bonus this weekend. I mean, it just shows you what, what he's doing going forward. We seem to still have these silly goals in us where we concede. I was talking about that in the first scoutcast, wasn't I? Saying how we needed to get rid of those this year and we don't seem to have done. But uh, I still love him. He's still going to be one of those players. He's one of the only left backs in the league where you can imagine getting more than one attack and return one week so for me I, I definitely wouldn't be getting rid of him um I, I still love it he's just so highly owned that, that's I think that's the thing you know that he was owned by over 50 percent of the game so I guess when you factor in the fact what percentage of his owners have got rid of him it's a lot less than someone like Tony or White but it's um yeah it's, I, I wouldn't be getting rid of him definitely not right there are two more people I want to chat about on this one mate and then we'll go on to your little stats section uh Luca Dean obviously you own Luca Dean don't you uh almost do. 150,000 people have got rid of him that's worrying I don't want his price to drop um yeah. I I'm very happy with him I'm very happy I'm content with him I don't think I necessarily expected anything amazing from him, but I think Everton looks solid enough. We know they're putting crosses into Fried and Fine DCL. Those possibly aren't actually coming from Dean as much as I might hope, but given I've got other fires to fight and other targets, I'm very happy to hold on to that. And I'm not too worried about the Leeds performance. I think it was a tactic to hold the wing backs back to prevent us being able to find that space rather than an example of him not getting forward to cross like he might in other matches. Yeah. And the last one. John Stones. Lots of people started with John Stones. Uh, has his has his position gone? Is it Laporte's now, or is it just because of his his long kind of road in the Euros? I guess we don't really know, do we? Yeah. Um, Laporte, as Pep said, is probably starting the next one, and if he keeps playing well, you'd think he'll hold on to it. Stones will definitely come back in, but I understand it. If you've picked a Man City defender who you think is going to start, well, at least one in two, and he starts it started zero of two so far, and there are other players to go for. Yeah, probably fair enough. Move on, try and get something elsewhere. What do you reckon? 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, Diaz is still the one I, I'd go with out of all, out of all the Man City players because he seems the most nailed. I mean, even he's not not immune to the Pep Roulette, is he? But um, I think he's still the one I would go for. And I mean, you've seen now he got an assist at the weekend, didn't he? Um, so you've yeah, seen, great. yeah. <laughs> so you've uh, you've seen what you can do. Um, yeah, I, I can I can understand people getting rid of Stones. He's already gone down. If he comes back in and it looks like he's nailed again, I think he will be he'll be a good player to go for because his price will be a little bit better. But yeah, it's, uh, it's an I mean, we, we all got excited about him about double game weeks last year, didn't we? There might yeah. be a similar thing this year where we mentioned, do you want Diaz when they have a good run of fixtures? There might be a similar period where Stones has re-established himself, they have a good run of fixtures, he's 0.5 cheaper or maybe 0.6 cheaper. Maybe that's the time to get him back in. Yeah, definitely. Right, we're going to go on to your little stats section now, mate, and you are going to talk us through uh, some of the overperformers first, aren't you? Sure. So I think we should have a table coming up here. But for people on the podcast, this is similar to... Oh, lovely. Thank you. So similar to what we did uh, last week, just looking at the XGI, so the expected goal involvement of the players in the first two weeks now, not just the second week or just the first week, and looking at who has delivered more goals, more assists than we would expect them to. That's the key, though. It's only what we would expect based on averages. It does not necessarily mean a player is good or bad or getting lucky or getting unlucky, whatever that is, it is simply just against the average expected amount they are over or underperforming. So looking at the overperformers here, I've highlighted a few players who I'd love to hear your opinion on, but I'll just shout them out first for anyone who's not watching but listening. We have Ben Rama just at the top, just under Pogba. We have Antonio just after him. We have Ducore. We have Mason Greenwood and Danny Ings. And obviously being in the overperformance table, the thing they all have is they have returned more goals or assists than we would expect so far. So what do you reckon to some of those players? I mean, Ben Rama and Antonio are right at the top there. Yeah, they are. And uh, do you know what? There's such a difference though, isn't there? Like I look at Ben Rama and Antonio on that table and then I look at Ings at the bottom of that table and it's so different. I think Ben Rama and Antonio, they're just playing so well at the moment. They, They are just players in such fine form and Antonio especially, like... He just he just dominates games when he's in this form, doesn't he? And I feel like he's the type of player where when when he's in that kind of form, you own him. You you just have to. Um, so Antonio and Ben Rama, Ben Rama, I'm a little. He, he's coming across a lot like Lingard last year, where he's not having a lot of opportunity, but when he gets it, he's making the most of it. And a lot of people got burnt by Lingard last year because they kept saying he was overperforming and he he wasn't going to carry it on. But look what happened; he did carry it on. So I feel like Ben Rama and Antonio, I'm absolutely happy with. When you move down the table, though, Ings, I've already expressed my worry about him. I feel like he is getting very minimal chances. And Villa look, they look really disjointed at the moment. They don't look like they're they're performing as they should do yet. They just look like lots of individuals as opposed to a proper team at the moment. So Ings, I worry about a little bit more. Greenwood and Decore, though. Decore is somebody on my watch list now. Him him and Damari Gray. Really? I, yeah, I, I, I just got those. I don't know whether it's a bit of a... Um, I'm thinking about the past with how it, what he was like at Watford. When he had the, that attacking role with Watford, he was gold, wasn't he? And I just look at it and think, oh, if you could get just a little bit of that, that would be quite nice. But Greenwood, I worry about after the international break. I worry about whether with Sancho coming in, he's going to be sharing minutes again. And I just I just worry a little bit about him. But Benrahma and Antonio, I don't have any, any problems with. I, I think they could be good moving forward for quite a while, to be honest. Their fixtures look good. I think they're... Yeah top five and on the fixture ticker so they they do look good to me i mean what what's your take on them because i know you are the uh the xg man you'll probably be able to tell me a little bit more than i've said 
I don't know about that. I just hide behind it to no pretend I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I think I guess the key here is that this table shows us what, but it doesn't show us why. Yeah. So it just tells us what has happened. It gives us no context at all. Context that other stats will give us or watching matches might give us. And it's really important to combine those two things. Another nice way of maybe reading this is while Ben Rama and Antonio have massively overperformed according to this, they do still have an expected goal involvement of 1.81 and 2.72 respectively. So even if they'd only performed to their expected numbers, they'd still be scoring points here for us. When you look at someone like Ducore, and this is why I'm not excited about him, <laughs> while he's got a goal and an assist, he's only got 0.31 XGI. So basically all of his overperformance, if you remove that, it could take him down to nothingness. Whereas Antonio mm. Benrahma, we think would still get points. So Ducore feels a bit more risky in terms of him being able to return. The only other thing to shout out here, and I think James Morgan pointed out something like this in the chat, where he said, like, Ben Rama's overperforming quite a lot. He can't sustain that. With a larger sample size, that might be true. And we had this conversation with Lingard last year. Mm -hmm. But the important thing to remember is that while XG and XGI is good at predicting the future, it doesn't mean that... Uh, how to phrase this? So if someone has overperformed in the past, it doesn't mean they're going to underperform in the future yeah. in order to hit their mean especially if they're still putting up good numbers. It's like flipping a coin. Every time you flip a coin, it is a distinct individual event. Just because you've got heads five times in a row, it's still 50-50 next time you flip it. Yeah. So Ben Rama, as long as he's still putting up some numbers, and I agree, they're not quite as good as we want, he still may well get returns. Maybe we'll learn he's a ridiculous finisher and that's the reason. Maybe not quite, but I'm not too scared because he at least does have something backing up those numbers, even if they regress a little. I used that exact same analogy about Salah against Burnley. <laughs> oh, nice. Because, because, because Salah had blanked against Burnley however many times in the last couple of games or whatever, and everybody was saying, oh, so that means he'll never, you know, he'll never get an attack and return again. And it's like, no, because it's exactly the same like you just said. It is its own instance, isn't it? You know, it's a, for every flip of a coin, you don't say, oh, well, it's been heads 10 times in a row, it's going to be heads again. It's its own instance, isn't it? And it's and I was looking at it thinking, well, that, that gave me confidence with Salah and then obviously he blanked, didn't he? But um, no, I do completely agree with you about Ben Rama and Antonio. I loved the way you mentioned it then about because of their expected goal involvement, even if they underperformed to that, they'd still be getting you points. So I think that's a really lovely way of looking at it. Um, and like you said, Decore at 0.31, if he went back to what he is showing us, he wouldn't be getting us as many points, would he? Exactly. And I think Marco Leary in the chat makes a lovely point here as well. And he's completely right. XG is based on, say, you know, the average player. So depending on the model you, you use, um, just take an arbitrary example, it might take the last 10,000 shots from a similar location with a similar uh, elevation on the ball from a similar type of assist, you know, same defender positioning, so on and so forth. It takes 10,000 of those chances and looks at how many were turned into goals. And if it was 30% of them, your XG on that chance is 0.3. But of course, what that does is it massively smooths it and it takes the mean of all of it. So it effectively gives you an average player. If you look at like someone Harry Kane, he always in his career has overperformed XG. Now, that doesn't mean a massive regression is coming. It means he's a good finisher. So while you could look at XG and that could maybe throw you, it's important to know that it's not trying to tell you who a good finisher is. It's trying to tell you the quality of chance they're getting. So... An Antonio, a Benrahma, or a Salah could get exactly the same XG, but we could expect different levels of fantasy points because we know something about their finishing. You, you'd obviously know a lot, uh, quite a bit more about XG than I do. The second goal for Antonio, what XG would that have had? Because 
Was the, that the he like he yeah? So it, he flicks. So that and... doesn't tell you that, does it? That doesn't tell you the fact that the ball was behind him when it got whipped in. He flicked it over himself and then put a nice little finish into the bottom corner. Would that have a higher xG because of when he received the ball, or is it just where he struck the ball? So the slightly frustrating answer is that it does depend on the model you're using. Uh, right. Fancy Football Scout uses Opta, uh, which is one of the more popular ones. It's pretty solid, but there are other op- op models that will show things slightly differently. That's why you'll see on Twitter, you know, one game being 1.5 yeah. and then the same game being 2.2 because they've measured things differently. What XG does is it's from the point the shot is taken. Mm. So it is when he sort of dived in to poke it yeah. over the line. But what it will account for is like his body position, where the defenders were, where the ball was when he struck it. So while it might not quite show that that was a ridiculous piece of control and that's hard to do, it would show that he was in a very awkward position and it was a ball that was hard to reach, you know, a a dodgy position or whatever. So not perfect by any means, but maybe good enough. And this is why we say large sample sizes, right? It's not that great for a single chance because anything can happen. You know, a 0.01 chance has to go in one out of 100 times. If you see that one in 100 time, it hasn't told you anything other than that was the one in a hundred time. Yeah. So can couldn't be a little misleading in that sense. And there are other things you can look at as well. So like post shot XG, which is the chance after the shot has been taken of it going in. And that's kind of a good way of measuring finishing or even better goalkeeper quality. And then there's an expected threat model that people are uh, looking at and talking on Twitter, <laughs> which is kind of rather than a shot, just an expected goal from any position on the pitch, like how likely that is to turn into a goal after a certain number of passes. And I'll shut up on this in a second because some people might hate <laughs> no, it. No, it's fine. It's but fine. The, the, the last one I really like. <laughs> um, the last one I do really like, which is maybe more interesting for football than just FBL, is you can look at the XG on a chance when a pass is received versus when the shot was taken. And the difference in that shows you how a striker might have improved the chance. Nice. And I think off the top of my head, one of the best players in the world of that was Lewandowski. So he might receive a pass with his back to goal, you know, a, a hard pass into his feet. It's hard to control and shooting from there is a very, very low chance. Yeah. But he takes a touch, he turns, he gets in front of goal and maybe opens up the angle for himself and he increases the XG on the chance. He's one of the best in the world at doing that, turning low XG into high XG, even though I actually think his finishing is not average, but for an elite player kind of a bit more towards the median. Well, you look at Antonio Anything. last night. Antonio was doing that last night, wasn't he? The the two, when he received yeah, the ball for yeah, both right. those goals, you wouldn't straight away say, right, that's a that's a snapshot goal. Like, he worked hard to make those 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 chances better, didn't he? Um, yeah, there was a, a real, like, Lukaku-ness about one of his chances where he took it with his back to a, yeah, back really to was. a defender, controlled it, turned, made a yard and sh- Very snapped it. Very Drogba-esque, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that's a good It chance. was, yeah. Uh, right, lovely stuff. So, uh, yeah, Ben Rama and Antonio, I think, we're looking at it there. I mean, Antonio looks... <laughs> He, yes, he's overperforming his XG, but I mean, uh, he, he looks absolutely class, doesn't he? Um, right, now on to the underperformers, Seb. Sure. So again, we should have a table here, and I won't give you the whole explanation again. We've had enough of that. Yeah. Uh, but just to call out the players we've highlighted, we have Traore, Jared Bowen, Raul Jimenez, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Brian Mbwemo from Brentford, and Mason Mounts. The reason I've highlighted them is I think they possibly either have future potential or are an interesting talking point. Once again, though, I'd love to hear what you make of those players. Yeah, do you know what? And I was saying this to you, wasn't I, that I find that this is the this is the list to look at to think who who should who are people not getting in that they should be getting in? Traore for me is a real God, if he could finish. Honestly, like against Spurs, it's just one-to-ones, isn't it? He's getting a lot of chances. And the way they're playing, they're playing some good possession football at the moment. And he is getting those chances. He's looking good. He just can't finish. 
I feel like he's going to be one of those players where when you get him in at the right time, he could get you three or four goals in a couple of weeks, but then he won't get you anything for a while after that as well. Um, but he he's on my watch list. I, I feel like if he was 5.5 million, he'd already be in my team. But I think 6 million, I think he he is genuinely somebody that I'm looking at. Bowen, I think because of Ben Rama and Antonio, I don't think I'd ever go for him because I think I'd probably go for one of those wing backs. I'd go for Cresswell or Sue Fowler. It's good to triple up on West Ham. But it's those Wolves guys from game week four onwards. Their fixtures are lovely. And I do think Traore and Jimenez are people we need to look at. Jimenez, I'm still, I need to see him play a lot of games because of that head injury. You know, I need to have complete confidence in him that he's back to his normal self. But do you think the same as me? There's With Traore, it's almost too good to be true, isn't it? I feel like he is going to be, he's going to be like McGoldrick, isn't he? Where he's going to be at the top of this expected goal involvement. But and those are those underachievers all year, isn't he? Absolutely. I just did a comment in the chat from Who Is Ron saying if Troy didn't baby all his shoes, he'd be able to finish. <laughs> I, <laughs> like that. Laugh. I mean, hey, he looks great though, right? You know, I wish I looked like that. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I think off the top of my head, his finishing in the past has been about average, if not maybe slightly under. And actually, in the past, he hasn't nearly got as many chances as he's getting here. So actually, we could be learning something new about him. If he continues mm. getting these chances, maybe we're going to build a good data set for how much of a good and consistent finisher he is. The one thing that concerns me, though, is that we have seen these little periods from him in the past where he gets a couple of good chances, he looks unplayable in a couple of matches, and then disappears again. So I want to know if that is just one of those runs or if we actually have another real solid option here. Yeah, and I mean, there's, he's still being linked with Spurs as well. So there, there's every chance that maybe he moves, which which wouldn't be great. I, I'd, I'd like to think that he could become a, a little bit of a talisman for Wolves, but he needs to start converting those chances. He had a lovely one-on-one chance against Larice at the weekend and, and didn't finish it. And it's those kind of chances he needs to start returning, kind of what one in every two, three matches, you'd say, to try and become a good option at six million. So um He's got the ability there and he's got, going to have the opportunity, but it's whether he can he can really start finishing. Um, Van Dyke's an interesting one. I think a lot of us are going to have, what, Salah and Trent. And I've, I've now got Simicus just sitting on my bench for a while. So uh, he's an interesting But in Buemo and Mount. Now, Mount is somebody I'm going to be looking at definitely towards game week seven to maybe double him up with Lukaku if I do wildcard. In Buemo, though, do you think there's... Because a lot of people are going off Tony... Do you think there's something to be said for going with Embuemo? Because a lot of people are having a downgrade in midfield, aren't they? So do you I mean, think, that's the thing. Do you think going off Tony and going on to Embuemo instead is a good idea? I, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? If yeah. we've got only three slots up front and everyone's now trying to get Lukaku or even a DCL, we have more slots in midfield. Obviously, there are more midfielders to choose from. But at a million cheaper, is it maybe a little more acceptable to have him in your team than it is Tony if you're trying to maximise your premium players elsewhere? He has not dissimilar numbers to Tony. And I think when you watch them play, it's a pretty even contest. But when they're both up front, they're both kind of swapping. They're trying to create for the team and create space for each other. I've been really impressed with him. I mean, he's taken a few set pieces as well. He did hit the crossbar, but it was one of those ones that comes down onto the crossbar. So I'm not sure it was ever going in. But if I needed a 5.5, I would be tempted, especially with the fixtures, as you mentioned. Well... If you have a look at it, so I'm I'm thinking because Barnes is going to have to go for my team eventually. <laughs> I would have thought not this week, but he's probably going to go eventually. And he'll probably be a downgrade. So you know, so I want to go to someone five point five. Damari Gray, Mbwemo, and Emil Smith Rowe or Odegaard are probably on my on my top of my list at the moment. I'm favouring Emil Smith Rowe because he's he's the better player basically, and and I feel like Arsenal are being 
underhyped because of their poor start. I think they got surprised against Brentford. They were always going to lose to Chelsea. They they really were. Like that was probably one of the the <laughs> the fixtures I looked at and knew what was going to happen more than any other. And now they're playing Man yeah, yeah. City. But after that, the so, fixtures are lovely. Sorry, I went to enjoy you there. I got excited about right. um, I was going to say, I don't even think Arsenal were that bad. Uh, yeah. Chelsea were just imperious. Lukaku yeah. was brilliant. And Arsenal just couldn't handle it. I don't think they particularly imploded or anything. They just weren't up to it. And so you, you look at it and think, I feel like Arsenal are going to be so low-owned by game week four. And people aren't going to like... I, I, I know Smith-Rowe's a great player. Odegaard had great stats last year. He just didn't return. And I still think I'm going to be edging towards those two instead of Mbwemo, who I feel like is going to have the opportunity. And Damari Gray, he's one of those players I think, oh, will he start? And if it's my fifth midfielder that if I'm going to be playing two up front with Lukaku, I need that fifth midfielder to be playing most weeks. Smith Rowe, for me, I think is winning that race. I don't know what you think about those 5.5s. I guess with the Odegaard and Smith Rowe one, in real life, they'll play together, we expect. One at 10, one maybe wide, maybe Smith Rowe from the left. Mm. Maybe from an FBL sense, I'd maybe want a little more time just to see how that works. Well, as he had last season, but neither of them were... They, they had okay stats last year. I'd say the thing they had was watching them, it looked like they could improve on those stats mm. rather than the stats being impressive for themselves. Smith Rowe does actually, interestingly, on this table, which you can find in the uh, Fantasy Football Scout members area, he does appear a little lower down on the underperformers. He has created and had a few chances himself so far. So there's potential there, I think. Yeah, I think there is. And I think, I genuinely think a lot of people have seen Arsenal these first two games and gone, nope, never touching him again. And you can't do that. Literally, you know, a lot of people will talk about form and a lot of people will talk about the fact that form comes when they've got nice fixtures, if that makes sense. So they could go into game week four and all of a sudden they could have the best form for the next three, four weeks. They did it last year. They finished the season with the best form, I think they did, out of every team. So it's one of those things where you've you've got to try and play it differently based on when the fixtures change. And they do change in game week four. So it could be that their season just starts then because <laughs> it definitely hasn't yeah, started I mean, yet. If, if Joe was here, he might mention that unfashionable picks thing, right? This yeah. is... This is prime unfashionable pick. Yeah. A team that we've all written off. We think they look terrible, but they've got good fixtures. They've got appealing enough players, even just because of their prices. This is maybe where you steal that march on someone. It could go horribly wrong. You know, we're not yeah. saying Arsenal are going to turn into City, but I think there's an opportunity to be investigated. Yeah, no, completely. Right, lovely stuff. So we have got the fixtures up next then. Uh, and we've got our fixture ticker. This is another one. Seb's already done it. Thank you, Seb, for reminding me. Uh, just to plug the members area a bit there. Um Obviously, the fixture ticker's on there. And you know what? I've been using this a lot today to plan my moves because I feel like with our two free transfers, with with fixtures changing soon as well, it's such a good tool just to have a quick look at it and go, right, who do I think is going to actually do quite well moving forward? And I feel like things are changing again, obviously, especially from game week four onwards. It is all changing quite a lot. I mean, you'll see on here, I mean, Wolves are at the top. They've got Man United this week, but then they've got beautiful fixtures for the next four weeks. Leeds are second, which I think is quite interesting one, actually, because, I mean, the move I've done tonight, and I'll tell you about that later, is bringing a Leeds player in, because I, I feel like I want a Leeds player in these fixtures coming up. What oh, really? The third. What for, yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> uh, what for the third, West Ham fourth, and then Leicester in fifth, which I did tweet about today, actually, about Leicester being in fifth with the fixtures. And then at the very, very bottom, we've got Aston Villa. So Aston Villa play Brentford this week, which I don't think is an easy game. I genuinely don't. They've been very good defensively so far. Obviously, Joe, with his pick last week, did better than both of us, picking Raya in goal, didn't he? Um, Brentford look very good defensively so far. And I look at this and 
I feel like we've spoken about a lot of these players already, but when you're looking at the fixtures, Seb, I don't know whether they've come up on your screen already, what kind of, what stands out for you in this fixture list at the moment based on the turns that we're going to be seeing soon? So I guess, yeah, the thing that interests me, as you mentioned, is those swings. So we probably have Mm. one about game week four and then another in game week seven towards game week eight, because I think City and Liverpool play each other in game week seven. So if I was going to wildcard, I might do it in game week eight. So before then, I'm maybe looking at exactly what we've got on screen here with a possible also switch in four. And funnily enough, it's some of those players we've just mentioned, you know, your Jimenez is who have underperformed and actually might be getting some transfers out. I think he's due a drop. So there might be a little advantage to be found there. We know Leeds obviously interests a few people. I think you've just mentioned it there. Your Rafina is either someone everyone has or maybe is looking to get. But there's still Patrick Bamford as well, who I don't think many people have looked at because of the other options up front. Yeah. And then maybe I know we're sort of trying to play this hokey-cokey with Game Week 3, Game Week 4, with your Salas, your Sons, and of course the international news, where we do think that most of the players we're concerned about are going to be okay because of the the news that came out from the Premier League today saying that unanimously the clubs are going to turn down their players going away on international duty to red list these countries, I believe. So yeah. we just need to keep an eye on you know, whether any countries get updated. So someone like Salah, I think, is okay. Brazil might still be a question with Rafina and Alisson. But if Salah is fine and available, I don't know, with the Son injury too, if I'm excited about that move anymore because Salah has leads if he plays in game week four. Yeah. And I really like that. Do you? Well, I mean, we've seen Fernandez go and get a hat-trick against Leeds. We've seen Son be good against Leeds in the past. Salah, I believe, got a hat-trick against Leeds the first day of last season. He did. Leeds are such a team that we concede to good players. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's what I'm just waiting for Leeds to to solidify a bit. Are they just I, do, are you going to have any players back soon? You know, is Lorente back soon? Because he's so important for you, isn't he? And obviously, Calvin Phillips was back, but so yeah, Diego Lorente actually posted a picture of himself running today, uh, just with the caption saying "ready." So <laughs> Good. hopefully, he's ready. And I believe while we're recording this, the Carabao Cup is going on. Yeah, I think he might have been named in the lineup tonight. I'd have to go check. Yeah, but if he's playing tonight. Uh, you know, with Bielsa, that doesn't mean he couldn't play on the weekend. Like, you know, Bielsa runs people. Yeah. So if he's fit and playing tonight, he could be ready for the weekend. Worth keeping in mind that against Burnley, we will probably play three at the back again to go against their 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. So Ailing will slot in most likely. It could be, say, Strauch and Lorente. Um, so with anyone with Ailing, he's not going to be playing right back, I would imagine, unfortunately. That's me. But the thing up to... Th- oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he could still, could still be a decent option. He does progress it out of the back. Yeah. But he's attacking... Uh, intent does kind of disappear or is at least his numbers yeah um the only thing with Leeds is you mentioned like looking for us to solidify I don't know if that is ever gonna happen no we at the end of last season I know we kept some decent clean sheets but that was not supported by the numbers and I don't think it was necessarily done by uh, Melia either I think it was shown that Melia was kind of if anything, actually underperforming his sort of expected saves, if you like. Mm. So it possibly just came down to poor finishing, a bit of luck. Now, of course, I think, you know, it's not all just variance of luck. There maybe are some things we were doing in there. But I don't want to get carried away. I don't want to think Leeds are a good defensive outfit yet. I don't think we've seen anything from that this season. And I do think we have some problems. Maybe keep an eye on the transfer window, because we know that midfield with Rodrigo doesn't work so well against good teams. Yeah, no, I agree. A lot of people in the chat, by the way, are saying that Lorente did start tonight. Ah, oh, lovely. Thank you so yeah. much, Jeff. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, lo- I look at this fixture ticker. I think 
Wolves, uh, it's it's going to be tough to get Wolves players in. I don't think I can get Jimenez in per- personally, but someone like Traore is is tempting me. Um, and I don't think I'd be going for them defensively, but they've looked good. They've they they genuinely looked like a good team so far. They they haven't got the points that have shown how well they've looked. It's just where they can start converting some chances. But someone like Traore could be somebody you can look at. Even Semedo. I don't mind Semedo as a choice. It's just the fact that he's 5 million, I think. I think 4.5 would be much better for him. But I do I do think Wolves players are, are fine to be having on your radar. Leeds, Rafinha is the one I'm going to be getting. I mean, I think it's all going to work out all right in the end with these international breaks. I feel like he's going to be back and he'll be fine. And those fixtures look lovely. I don't want to not own him for, for Burnley, Newcastle, West Ham and Watford in the next five. Um, Watford, I know a lot of people are going to be on someone like Saar, which I think is fine. I think we saw with Saar this week that he can go in that defensive role a little bit as well. Um, when they were in the first game of the season, he was very, very attacking, very far forward, wasn't he? But he does tuck back every now and again, which for six million for a promoted player, if you know you're going to get that every other game, it's not the end of the world because every now and again you will get that role where he's going to be attacking. So uh, I think just know what you're going to get with him for six million. West Ham fourth, lovely. Leicester, really one I wanted to pick on here because, like I said, Barnes, I'm keeping because I know I'm going to take the price hit. There's other other players that I want to get rid of. He's got Norwich next. He's got Brighton, Burnley and Crystal Palace in the next uh, five. Those fixtures are lovely. You know, fifth on the fixture ticker there, but he does worry me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. They're not at it yet, but fixtures are there. I might as well hold while I've got him. Um, and the other one I wanted to mention as well is Everton up there. Calvert-Lewin, I don't know what you think about him, Seb, but he's on penalties now. Everton's tactic is literally just get Calvert-Lewin the ball. So I feel like the opportunity is there for him to have a hell of a season. Uh, I mean, you've nailed it, mate. He may well be one of my transfers. I think Next it's a week. bit like one of those, maybe a bit like the Antonio uh, move or player, having him in your team that I like. You don't even need to like Everton all that much because it's all DCL. So if they're going to score a goal, there's a good chance it's going to be DCL. Talismanic, as obviously, you know, some people will put it. I think I think there's a really good player there and a good fantasy option. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people will be thinking about doing the Ings to DCL move uh, in game week four, which I think makes sense. Uh, Villas, Villas, like I said, their their fixtures drop off a cliff. They'll be playing Chelsea, then Everton, then Man United, then Spurs. Whereas, you know, Calvert-Lewin will have Burnley, Aston Villa, Norwich. It doesn't get too much better than that. I mean, Burnley and Norwich are at home as well. And then Man United away, where I think he scored against us last year away from home at, at Old Trafford. So um, there's no reason to believe that he can't score in a lot of those games. I, I do like Calvert-Lewin as, a, as, a, as an option, personally. And even even this week, I know the potentially sensible move, if you don't care about price changes, is holding Ings for Brentford and not bringing in DCL for, I think it's Brighton. Yeah. But we saw Brighton even maybe struggle against Burnley with the aerial threat that Tarkovsky obviously caused them quite a few problems. Yeah, they hate set pieces, well, don't Everton, they? Exactly. If Everton are about hitting DCL, there might be a similar opportunity there. Yeah, really could be. I think, like I said, my with Ings, I've just, I've just got to keep him for Brentford at home, but Brentford <laughs> have been very good defensively. So I, I think my, my expectations are low, but you never know. They've been low every week with Ings and he and he still manages to get a return. So, um, Sun cost. Yeah, exactly, mate. Got exactly. Him, so you'll, uh, you'll keep him. I always said I'd keep him for three weeks. I just weeks. wanted to... Oh. Sorry, carry on. Sorry, dude. I, I think I've been a slight day. I keep interrupting you. I'm so, so sorry. That's all right. That's I just right. wanted to, before we move on, just mention about Wolves, that I saw something earlier that I think they haven't scored yet, but they have about mm. 2.5 XG. And the Tottenham match was super interesting from the point of view that Tottenham basically just had that penalty. 
And I think Wolves only put up about 0.8 XG. But if you watch the match, and I only watched about half of it, I think you watched the whole thing, so maybe you can inform me better. But they looked like they were always close to creating another chance, but never actually quite created the chance. Yeah. They created a lot of pressure, got into a lot of good opportunities, but never really maybe actually got the shot away on goal. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that's about right. I think it, it, it they out of everybody that I've seen play so far this year, they genuinely look the most of a team that are just, they're like a coiled spring. They're ready to go and you can see it gearing up and they're just going to, they're going to go on a really good run of form at some point. And you think from game week four, they've got Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in that run, isn't it? So you're looking at it and thinking, it does, a lot of it does rely on Jimenez being the Jimenez we're used to. Genuinely, it really does because I'm still not sure. He's looked good, like he has looked good, but it's, I just, I, I really need a lot of trust to be able to put him in my team again. And also, when you think we've got Calvert Lewin, Antonio, Lukaku, all these players we want in, is Jimenez going to be able to fit in there anyway? It's really tough. I think for yeah. me, it would end up being Traore or, or Semedo or somebody like that that I'd probably get into that run because if you look at it, Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle, they're not going to be team scoring a lot of goals, are they? So um, it could be a bit of a shrewd move going for a Wolves defender rather than a Wolves attacker in that run, potentially. And I mean, there's some 4.5 defenders there as well. So if you just want a cheap option, if you're looking for a Ben White replacement for yeah. whatever reason, maybe there's something there as well. Yeah, Connor Cody in it, 4.5, I think. Yep. I Even think Keeper, so. is Keeper for 4.5 as well, isn't he, Sa? I think he might be five, actually. Let me have a oh, real quick check for you. Yeah, he might be, to be fair. He is five, unfortunately, oh. just like Patricio last year. Yeah, there you go. Um, somebody in the chat, by the way, I can't remember who it was now, saying Semedo. Uh, Marfa is saying that Semedo is probably going to be 4.9 tomorrow. Um, so oh, even, nice. even better value. Right. Shall we have a bit of a look at our teams for next week? And we're going to talk... I mean, we've we've alluded to it quite a lot, haven't we, about uh, what we're going to do with our teams, but we're actually going to show <laughs> yeah, people despite now. Despite your... Yeah. Uh... Despite your, don't give it away. We we might. Yeah, I've been I've been trying my hardest, but we can't. It's really hard to do it, to be honest. Um, oh, Marco Leary says he's four point five in fan team. That's probably why. Um, right. So this is my bus team going into next week. Uh, Barkman, I'm not expecting anything from. I've got him in goal. Alexander Arnold, Shaw, and Ailing are my back three. Um, Salah, Fernandez, captain at the moment. Mares, Barnes, and Ben Rama. And then I've got Ings and Tony up front at the moment. I've got I've got no bench, to be perfectly honest, uh, because I've got White, who's in COVID protocol at the moment. Simicus, who a lot of people are expecting Robertson to start, and I think he will, but there's every opportunity. You never know he could start, but at least he's there. And then Scarlett, you know, I've got a captain Scarlett at one point, haven't I, according to Joe? Uh, <laughs> and I've got Foster on my bench. So my, my bench is, is done pretty much, but I'm not overly happy with this team now. I'm not happy with Mares. I'm I feel like... I was only going to have him for two weeks anyway, so he's he's gone. I've made the moves tonight because I wanted to get those price rises. He's gone. Uh, and I've actually got rid of Tony as well. So my team now, instead of Mares and Tony, I have got Rafinha and I've got Antonio. I made the moves as soon as that international break news came out because I think it should be all right now. I think it should. I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked if, if players were going and having to quarantine when they came back. So... I, I feel like Rafinha's a safe move. Burnley away this week, I think, is a nice fixture, personally. And then he's got Liverpool next week. But I feel like Rafinha's the type of player that could return against anybody. That finish he got this weekend was beautiful, wasn't it? So um, I feel good having Rafinha. And he's somebody I want long-term as well. Antonio, I feel like I just need to take my medicine and get him in. Uh, he's I'm t- keeping it simple this year. He's a player that's in form. When he's fit, you own him. 
I just need to get him in. It, I'm not 100% whether I'm going to captain him this week yet. I'm not sure. I feel like almost that could be chasing points a little bit. Crystal Palace haven't been putting up bad numbers. They were they were obviously played off the park a little bit by Chelsea, but then against Brentford, they were fine. So I'm going to look into that a little bit more and see whether I do want to go with Antonio captaincy. If I didn't, I probably would go with Fernandes. But um, yeah, I feel quite happy with that then. I am... I am kind of saying to myself, I'm definitely going to wildcard in game week seven, I think. I'm going to struggle to get Lukaku in otherwise. May I suggest having a look at game week eight? Because you avoid Man City, Liverpool, and then they both have these fixtures, I think. Ben Krellin mentioned that, didn't he, today? He said that that's probably what he's going to do. I like the idea of that. I do. It's just... In game week seven, not only Lukaku as well. It depends. Things could move around a lot. Barnes is going to probably come out of my team at some point. Ings will be DCL next week as well in game week four. So I've got my moves kind of planned. I just, I'm looking at it and thinking there's a lot of moves I'm going to want to do to my team in game week seven or eight. And it's going to be getting a lot of those Chelsea boys, isn't it? So I'm I'm happy with my team. It's only two free transfers. So I haven't used, I haven't taken a hit or anything. I just feel like I need to get Antonio in. And that was my move. I I looked a lot at downgrading Mares and then upgrading Ings to Lukaku and having Lukaku and Tony. But obviously, we've already okay. spoken about Lukaku and I I just don't want him for those fixtures. I, I want to get him later on and I just want to see him for a little bit longer. It could be an Arsenal thing. It could be that he just ruined Arsenal because everybody's going to ruin Arsenal for a bit this year. I don't know. But <laughs> I just I looked at it and thought, I feel like I'm doing a, a lot to my team for a player that I'm not too sure about. Whereas Antonio and Rafinha, I want... I think I want both of them when they're fit. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, like you say, there's obviously price change concerns and whatnot, but yeah. there's every chance Antonio outscores Lukaku until we get to your wildcard. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And, and also price changes, like you said, like Antonio could go up another point two before deadline. There, yeah. there is genuine reason to believe that him and Ben Rama are both going to have a triple triple rise, which is just ridiculous. Ben Rama in particular, because he was so lowly owned to begin with, but... I think I would just get left behind in team value and I'd also get left behind with with points as well, which I don't want either of those. You know, you want to be playing aggressively with at least <laughs> yes. one of them. So, um, yeah, that's no, not, I feel... That's not how you win FPL. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, no, I feel good about that. And if if it comes to the point where Antonio gets injured, at least I've got him and can sell him for good value. So, yeah, I, I feel good about those moves. No hit, which always makes me happy as well. So, yeah, we'll go with that and see how it goes. But, I mean, you looking at my team there, anything you're majorly worried about with those moves I've just made? I mean, I, I could, you know, I could suggest some different moves that overall are similar and ultimately make no massive difference. I like them. I think they work. You've identified Backman as maybe not yeah. the ideal player that you'd have there, but that's probably not the one to fix. When we're all chasing Lukaku or Antonio or, you know, your Ben Ramas, you obviously have Ben Rama. It's probably not the time to waste a transfer on a goalkeeper when all you might do is bring in Sanchez, who probably isn't going to outscore him by all that much in the three weeks or so until your world card. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, Barkman will be staying until I wildcard. I'm, I'm not going to waste a, a transfer on him. Uh, ju- I'm, not, I'm just not going to see the, the definite returns that I want, to be perfectly honest. Um, a lot of people in the chat, well, I say a lot of people, a few people in the chat have asked me about Barnes. I am keeping Barnes for this week against Norwich. He's not somebody I'm looking at and I'm, I feel like I need to get rid of him straight away. I feel like he can still return in games. He hasn't looked that on it yet, but... You know, Mares is somebody I have to get rid of. And then I needed to get rid of a striker for Antonio. Barnes could then go in a couple of weeks. He's got some nice fixtures after that. He's not somebody that I'm thinking he has to go because it's not like his fixtures are horrible moving forward. So I'm happy to keep him. And White's exactly the same. I'm happy to take that that value hit because I know White's fixtures turn nice soon. And 
if he costs 4.4 or 4.3 so be it but I I quite like him moving forward so uh so I'm happy with that I I just don't feel like I'm going to be getting enough from them to move them out and go to somebody else yet I I just don't feel quite like that yet so we'll, we'll see how it goes White I was never going to play in the first three weeks anyway so this is gone the plan apart from the point one loss <laughs> well i guess technically if you aren't going to sell him you haven't lost that point one exactly because you aren't you aren't trying to get anyone else if you want white for you know eight fixtures after next week or something yeah well you've still got you've still got white and if you know if, you go, if he goes and keeps 50 percent clean sheets he probably goes back up again anyway exactly exactly it's just like selling a house isn't it you only worry about the value when you go to sell it mate uh right let's yeah, have a look yeah, exactly yeah exactly. just never sell you exactly, yeah, exactly. Good, fa- good advice from us here i think yeah. <laughs> uh right let's have a look at your team then seb so do you want to talk us through it and talk us through so you've already made one of your moves haven't you uh, yes, indeed. I just need to grab it up here, actually. I have lost it for a second. Because I have Alex's team up, who we're going to have in a minute. So oh, yeah. I am not logging into my account. So give me one second while I find that, my friend. Yeah, no problem. While, while, while we're doing that, Captain, you've got it on... I think, did you have it on Fernandez there? Are I you did. keeping that? Yeah, so I had it on Fernandez. I think it's going to... I'm really torn. I, I, I'm bringing Antonio in, obviously. And I think he's going to be heavily captained against Crystal Palace at home with the form he's in I think it would be silly for me not to consider captaining Antonio I just feel like captaincy is going to be more wide open this week than it has been so far this season so if you went for a captain with Fernandez, would that be that bad a shout my other think is my other think my other thought is that if you did captain Antonio would Fernandez be less than 100% EO he could be, which means you benefit from both, which would be quite nice, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn on captaincy at the moment. And unique as well. Pardon? No, that, that doesn't happen all that often either, does it? So probably quite a nice opportunity. <laughs> exactly. So go on then, talk us through your team then, mate. Sure. Um, so I have Sanchez in goal here. I have Trent, Shaw and Luca Dean, who I am starting this time at the back. <laughs> I have Salah, Rafina, Fernandez, and Ben Rama for Buendia in midfield. Nice. And I have Ings, Wilson and Antonio, who I also have the captain on up front, which means my bench is Steele, Brownhill, Livermento, and Simakis. Obviously, Simakis dropping out for Dean to come in alongside Rafina this week. Comes captain, I think of all the weeks in this first little chunk, you know, maybe up to the international break and maybe even a few afterwards, the week that we looked at knowing we might need a different captain to Salah and Fernandez was this week. And I think a lot of people did target Son, but we know he could he be did. a slight injury doubt. And I maybe, if Salah's going to play against Leeds, I possibly don't want to play the Salah out, Son in, Son out, Salah out game. Yeah. Burn two three, burn two free transfers just for that one move. So I'm very happy having it on Antonio. I was before last night, and last night obviously only helps with that. I think when he's fit, when he's firing, as we've mentioned a few times, he's as good an option as many of the strikers in the league. Yeah, no, he really is. And... I think it's nice having that double up and one of them being captain as well. Would you would you consider Ben Rama? I don't I don't I, I don't think I would. I feel like Antonio's the one no. that he, he is the one that you you're gonna or not guarantee, but you feel much better about captaining, isn't he? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we looked at the numbers earlier, and Antonio was ahead of him on that. I think when you watch them play, Ben Rama's impressive, but Antonio could be involved in every single goal they put in the net. And we think, we're not certain, I don't believe, that he is on penalties. He missed one, so he could be giving those up. But at the moment, we think he might be. I think if you're, I'm happy having both of them. Mm. But if you're going to captain one, it's Antonio. 
and I probably wouldn't even go to Ben Rama if I didn't have Antonio. I might look at maybe even Callum Wilson, or maybe I'd just go back to Fernandes. Yeah. What's your, what's your kind of plan with your team at the moment? So with me, I've said, you know, Ings is going to be going for DCL. I'll probably be ditching Barnes then after that and maybe trying to free up a bit of funds for Lukaku up top if I could. I know we haven't touched on it yet, and I think it is worth looking at. Have you got any plans in your future of ditching Bruno to get Lukaku if you wanted to delay the wildcard? Because I think this is something people need to talk about. I look at my team a lot. And when I'm looking at cash cows for who I want to maybe, if I, if I wasn't going to wildcard, if I wanted to, to ditch somebody to get Lukaku in, it's going to be Bruno. And I think his fixtures go when Lukaku's go up, which is in game week seven, and then they swap around again later on, don't they? Where the Chelsea fixtures go off and Man United's become beautiful for a little while. So is that something you're thinking about in the future or do you have another plan or are you not even thinking about getting Lukaku I, in? <laughs> I think I think you've probably read my mind there, mate. I... <laughs> I will hold Fernandez for these next few weeks, along with Salah, I believe. I could be tempted into a, you know, a little one-week punt, but with like Son being not fit, I'm not sure. Man City aren't really an option just yet. And then Fernandez's fixtures get tough, around seven or eight, or at least as tough as they can be for Man United. I think there's an opportunity there to, like you say, use those funds for Lukaku. Uh, and I quite like Mason Mount, Lukaku, and maybe a defender. I really yeah. like the look of Mason Mount. There's also then City as well. We'll know more about them then, uh, whether Grealish is an option, whether Kane has moved or not, which will help us with Spurs too. Or KDB, off the top of my head, I think they have some smoother fixtures around then too. And it could be a very easy move from Fernandes to KDB. So whether I wildcard or not, I will almost certainly lose Fernandes around game week eight, either for Lukaku money or maybe someone like De Bruyne. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I just keep looking at it and I keep thinking... It's Bruno that I'd lose. And, I, and just the player I could just keep looking at and thinking, I'm going to get rid of you at some point. I know I am. And and it's, you know, like you just alluded to as well, you're thinking exactly the same. And I think there's going to be a lot of managers thinking it. And I was somebody that lost Bruno at one point last year. It's really hard to get him back in afterwards. It is really hard. Like, you know, there, there's so many weeks you're thinking, do I get him in this week? No. And if you spread your funds, that's even worse. If you, if, you know, if you've not got a wild card to go back on. So... It's worth having a look at and just planning a little bit in future. Not not masses, but just having a look a little bit in the in the future and think, if I do want to get rid of Bruno, when am I going to get rid of him and how will it look if I do? And I think it is worth having a look at, definitely. Because, I mean, we both already kind of thought about it already, haven't we? Yeah. And I mean, I think the key to this season, we'll see if I'm right or not, um, but I think the key to this season, I think the person who wins it will play that premium hokey-cokey the best. Yeah. You know, they will take out Fernandez at the right time. They will bring in your Kane, your Lukaku, your De Bruyne. They'll double up on Trent and Robbo. Whatever it is, I think that's the person who will win it. So yeah. I think that's where we need to be playing the game this year. Yeah, and a few people are mentioning this in the chat about Salah never goes anywhere. He could do, though, couldn't he? Imagine, imagine we did that, you know, if we did that the right way around, got rid of I mean, Salah I, and kept Bruno. Yeah, I mean... I did last year for a little bit and it went quite well, but yeah. was that luck, luck, or, luck or judgment? I'm not sure. I guess I've just said, you know, let's play that hokey-cokey with them. So, of course, he's on the table. He's probably the last one I would lose just because of all the players in the league who could score on any given day and who could go and break 300 points. I think it's Salah, then probably Fernandez, maybe yeah. Harry Kane. And looking again at the fixtures, just a very brief look. I don't know if there's the same opportunity, at least in the first half of the season, there is for Fernandez. So he has Chelsea next week, but then it's Leeds, Palace, Brentford. Then he has City. But then it's Watford, Man United, Brighton, West Ham, Arsenal. And then it's great again up till Christmas. So I don't know, other than one week here and there, if you have enough opportunity to, say, take him out for two, three, even four weeks, 
which is probably how you get the most benefit from it. Otherwise, yeah. it's kind of just a gamble. Yeah, no, I like it. And it's it's these kind of tough decisions. This is what I've loved about this this year so far is that there's so many options. We didn't have this last year, I don't think. We didn't have it where we were like, oh God, who do I get? Who do I, you know, it was, the template was so strong that it was like, oh no, we know kind of who to get. Whereas this year, there seems like there's a lot of options. And this is without KDB playing yet. This is with Lukaku just coming in. This is without Kane yet as well. And it just feels like we're having to make these decisions early, which is lovely because we want this to be able to get the opportunities to move forward. So th- this is what we want. As managers that are, we're going to be thinking about these things all the time, this is great for us. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, and I mean, the thing that hasn't happened yet, but will, is we've got all these lovely plans and then someone will get injured that we didn't expect and it will all change. Or COVID. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, yes indeed. Um, right. So last thing so we actually i say that this is the penultimate thing we're going to do because we've got some community questions to finish off with as well at the very end um we have got alex's team so alex's team i don't know could you talk us through alex's team how many points did he get this week and what did we do in the no end problem. so he got 70 points last week he's on 166 points all over uh overall which puts him just under 560k which as we've discussed is perfectly solid yeah uh, the team was Sanchez, Trent, Simakis, and Shaw, Salah captain, Fernandez Vice, Barnes and Bundia, Ings, Antonio, and Tony up front, with Backman, Sufel, Ailing, and Brownhill on the bench. And I don't believe we did anything last week. We put the captain on Salah, and we left the team as it were, so we have two free transfers for this week. Lovely stuff. So we're looking at this team then. Buendia sticks out for me, big time. I yeah. d- I'm not, not a massive fan of Buendia being there. Um, did he have anything in the bank? I don't think he did, did he? He has he has zero in the bank. Lots zero in the, the bank. Uh, so Buendia is sticking out for me quite a bit. And apart from that, the rest of the team looks pretty good. It's whether we want to do something with Barnes as well, I guess. Um, yes. And then whether so, we want to do something with Tony. It feels like somewhere around those three we could do something with. We were talking about this just before coming on air. And part of me wants to... Of course, part of me could just turn this into my team, Mm. which seems silly. You know, Alex has finished, I think, 83rd, was it, maybe last year? So he's arguably better than me in FPL for a start. Yeah, both of us. So I maybe shouldn't be trying to do what I'm going to do. But also, if I just turn it into my team, then what was the point? I feel like, but at the same time, we shouldn't just, you know, make arbitrary moves for the sake of it. We should try and make decent, educated moves. So I maybe don't want to go and try and get Ben Rama immediately, although Bundir is obviously an easy move there. Yeah. I wonder if we try and do something like I, th- I had a play around beforehand, and I don't. I think Lukaku was off the cards unless we want to wild card, and I don't think we do. No. So I wonder if we're missing a Rafina or maybe a Bamford. Is there something in that where we can try and steal a march on those fixtures, and maybe even Bamford is a bit different to what other people have in Rafina, and we'll also have Luke Ayling here. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I do like the idea. I think when to Rafina might be quite nice to do. I just, yep. I, I feel like we need to have a bit of a plan with what we want in this team. Whether we want this team to be you wildcard in game week seven, whether we want it to be a wildcard in game week four to be a bit different, you know, maybe get Lukaku in earlier and change things around a bit. I don't know, but... That's fair. Yeah, I think maybe we need well, to have the a bit The one of a thing chat. I was looking at as well is um, if we did do Rafina or even Bamford, I guess, in game week four, we would have two Leeds players against Liverpool. Mm. And if Samakas isn't playing, obviously Brownhill isn't really a great option we might have to play a player we don't want to play so it's worth keeping an eye on game week four and then like you say if we want to go and wild card or something like that Marco Uri says uh don't let me talk you into Leeds yeah I just saw that I'd say I'm biased against Leeds to be honest if you saw what I normally do 
He's, he's taught me in the lead so much. I brought Rafinha into my team. Terrible. Um, <laughs> no, no, I do agree. I, yeah, I think we'll have a bit of a chat as, as to what we're going to do. I think it's going to be something around Wendia Barnes, Tony. It might even be that maybe we downgrade one of those players and maybe go to a 5.5 million player, maybe, and uh, and free up some funds for maybe another striker. Maybe maybe we can... Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll have a look. Whether we can have a bit of a change of formation, maybe. I don't know. Maybe get five in midfield. But, well, I think that's we need to have a chat about when we want a wild card with this team. I think that's important. Yeah. What would... So, just while we're talking about the rest, what would chat do? When would you wild card? Yeah. And what moves would you make before that? I'd love to hear it. We're not going to ask Arcade Vampire, though, because he says, haha, let's trash this team. No, we're not intentionally, <laughs> not intentionally going to trash this team. <laughs> um, that might be the result, but it'll be because we're terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, we'll see. So yeah, let us know in the chat what you would do. Um, right, Seb, you obviously put a tweet out earlier and asked for some community questions. Um, talk us through it, mate. This is our last thing we're going to do tonight before we say goodbye to everybody. Uh, and you never know, some of those community questions might, uh, we might have some answers that people in the chat would like as well. No problem at all. Let me just find those for you over here. Lots of people are saying wildcard in seven or eight, by the way. So I reckon that's what we do. I reckon we yeah, go get in Lukaku, then we... get him in seven or eight, like we're going to do, and then go from there. Yeah. And I think that's probably like we can then plan nicely until then. No, we've got freedom afterwards and we can really target something like Chelsea. And there's probably a fun little chat to have there, which we can obviously, you know, do a bit on stream. We've got an entire wildcard. Let's really build a strategy. Yeah. I think that's nice. So on to the questions. So M Bison twenty two asks, can Ben Rama continue to score two goals from every five shots? And can he continue to get two assists from every three chances created? So we obviously looked at this a bit differently from the XGI angle, but ultimately this is telling us a very similar thing. Is he overperforming? Is he great? Or do we just not have enough information to know? What do you reckon? Bit of all of them, really. Um I, I <laughs> yeah, basically I feel like um I feel like even if he even if he regresses a little bit, he's still going to be a great asset at six million. That that's the thing. Like and he's gonna be what's he gonna be by the end of this week potentially? Six point three, six point four? Yeah, he's already he, I bought him last night for six point one. He went to six point two and you've got to think there's time and momentum for another one. Yeah. So I mean I even at six point five, you think Buendia is six point five. He's a better asset than Wendia at the moment. So I, I, Wendia's six point four now. Is he? Yeah. Um, oh, what after you made the move? Yeah, that's why I made it last night. Good move. Good move. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a big champion of early on, just taking team value into an account, like not making moves just for it. Yeah. But if you can build those zero point ones and zero point twos, they do add up. Yeah, it helps later, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So no, I, I. I don't think he's going to carry on the way he is, but there's no reason to believe that he can't carry on to an extent of what he's doing. And even if he does that, I think he's a very, very good asset. Yeah, that's reasonable. No. I think I'm pretty much with you. And we've discussed it a lot in here. We'll know more in a few weeks, but I like what I've seen. I admit I could be falling for eye test over the stats, but I like what I've seen. Yeah, me too. Um, FBL Disorder asks, Antonio, best captain option for game week three? So we've discussed this a little bit, of course, and we have Alex's team, which we were looking at, which I've got the captain on at the moment. Let's say it wasn't our teams. There's just everyone in the league. Who would you pick for captain this week? Yeah, I think if you if you took the things that you should be thinking about into consideration, if you looked at form, if you looked at fixture, and you looked at opportunity to to haul, I think Antonio's high up there, isn't he? I, th- I think he's going to be he's going to be in the top two, isn't he? Really. Um, 
if you look at it, I think Fernandez was probably going to be a lot of people's captains before Antonio had such a good start of the season. So I think Fernandez, I would still put up there personally, but um, I, I do think I do think Antonio is probably going to be be quite high up there. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, one question just to pick up from the chat: Steve Jones asks what to do about Jota. If you have him, yeah, his minutes might drop, but we know he can score off the bench. If you have no other issues, I'd probably be content holding him. What about you? Yeah, I think if I had him, I'd hold him. I'd never invest in him. I, I've said that from the beginning. I, I just don't like him as a player in terms of he's always rotated. He's always subbed early. He could be injury prone, which is just a trifecta of stuff you don't want from a player, really. So um, if you had him, yeah, I agree with you. you. You've got to hold him and play him. But I think he's somebody that you hold until he burns you. Uh, and then you just hold him to a wild card and then I'd probably get rid. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. So a question from Pete Liggins here, who you've answered a bit already, but give us a definitive answer. Barnes to Benrahma this game week or wait till after Norwich and suffer a likely 0.2 price difference if obviously one falls and one rises again? Ah, this is such a tough one. I, ah, I, Do you know what? I think if that was my only issue, as in everything else in my team was exactly how I wanted it. I had Antonio, I had Salah and Fernandez, all that stuff was fine, and my defence was fine as well, because that's a big one as well. Some people are going in with only two defenders this week, because White and Veltman are obviously out, and Simicus now won't be playing, so a lot of players are struggling in defence. If that was my only move, I think I'd do it, because of... Because of the way Leicester have started, yes, it's Norwich, but Ben Rama has got the form, he's got he's he's returning, and the price rises. Like you said, Barnes is going to go down, Ben Rama's going to go up maybe two more. I think you can't ignore that. So for me, I think if that was my only move I could do, because everything else was fine, I think I would do it. What about you, Seb? I think that sounds reasonable. Um you've said exactly what I was going to say on Barnes in general. If I had nothing else pressing in my team. I'd be tempted to move Barnes. If I had other issues, I'd be content with the Norwich fixture. So it really does come down to you know what your team looks like personally, I think. A lot of people, by the way, are really worried, and a few people have said it in the chat, about Barnes not starting next game. I I don't see it. I, I genuinely don't see him not starting. I still think he'll start. Yeah, I guess. I mean, a change of shape could, of course, see Inacho come in or something. But assuming the 4-2-3-1 still... And Perez is now suspended, of course. I don't know if he loses his spot. I no. don't know who would go and take that. Maybe an O'Brien comes in. I don't even know if he's fit. But maybe an O'Brien comes in. Or Daka. Got Dennis Pred, of course. Daka. But then I think I think when Daka came on, there was a slight shift. He sort of ended up going a bit more central. He did, yeah. Obviously, Barnes came off, but they'd lost a man as well. So it could happen. But I feel like even just through, you know, the other players they have and alternatives, and I don't expect them to change formation, I think his place is safe for at least one more week. Yeah. Right, next question. Final question then. So Ooh. Ross Johnson asks, the upcoming fixtures aren't too kind to the current Twitter template, which is probably a team we both kind of have a bit. I've wildcarded looking to attack these fixtures, so he's looking to go against the template. What are our thoughts on this? So we've both discussed game week seven or maybe eight for me for a wildcard. Mm-hmm. Would you wildcard now? Now, he doesn't mention Lukaku, but I'm guessing that's a big part of his thinking. What do you reckon? Uh, no, I don't think I would. I think game week four is the earliest I would wildcard because because enough fixtures turn that you can make the most of a wildcard. Whereas I feel like this week, I know we've already discussed it with Lukaku. Lukaku's the one I'd want to bring in in game week four. He's the one I want to change things around for. Also, because of the international break, because of... Um, 
uh, signings finishing as well because the uh, the transfer window will shut then as well. I just feel like game week four is the earliest I would do it. Don't get me wrong. Nobody can tell you it's the wrong time to do it. You could absolutely smash this week and then set yourself up to smash the next couple as well. But I just feel like it might be short-term gain as opposed to benefiting from the fixture swings in four or, or seven or eight. Um, I'm definitely... I'm I'm definitely all over seven or eight personally. I feel like four is just a bit too early for me. What about yeah, you? that's fair. I think I feel like if you've got two free transfers, probably don't go and wildcard. You know, you could even take a hit and have a little mini wildcard. Even if you don't have those two free transfers, it maybe feels like going one week early. You know, we've seen a good player in Lukaku or we've seen, you know, a change in fixtures coming. And there's always that urge psychologically to act. You always want to do something. Yeah. You know, in in the trading world, People often move too soon, whether it's buying, selling, whatever, because they want to be doing something. They want to be like playing it as if it's a game. I understand FPL as a game, but it's not a game that you get better at by doing things all the time. Mm. Sometimes just sitting and waiting for the right moment is the way to do it. And even if that's just one week and then wildcarding, I don't know if you're really getting that much advantage this week over next week. You can still break the template and still attack some fixtures next week. Yeah, no, completely agree. Right. Was that all our community questions? That was indeed, yeah. Lovely stuff. Well, I think that kind of brings us to the end. Should we have a bit of a plug of the members area? Make sure you guys go and have a look at it. All the stuff we've we've dragged off tonight is either from the FPL site or it's from our members area. So the underperformers, the overperformers, the fixture ticker, all that stuff is there on the members area. It is so good. Honestly, especially the more weeks in we get to it and the more data we have in that area it really becomes such a good asset for you managers to be able to have. So make sure you do go and have a look. Um, Seb, thank you very much for joining us tonight, mate. Oh, mate, well, thank you so much for stepping into the hosting role. You've done it beautifully. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't too bad. Uh, (laughs) Joe will be back next week, so we'll all be back to normal next week. But uh, I said I'd jump in and just uh, just see how I got on. Um, I don't think it's been too bad. I think apart from the very beginning where I definitely messed up a little bit. Uh, the rest of it's been okay, so I've been happy with the rest of it. But um, thank you very much, everybody, in the chat for joining us as well. I hope you enjoyed your evening. I hope your uh, your arrows are going to be green this weekend too. Um, and we will let you know what we do with Alex's team as well, because I've realised we haven't really made a decision. So we'll definitely let you know what we do with Alex's team later on in the week too. Um, so from me, Andy, thank you very much. And Seb? Thank you very much from me as well. (laughs) Lovely. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.